Yeah. The key thing is, don't be inhaling, don't be ingesting. Stay inside, don't drink or eat anything. These are important questions. I understand that. Highest moment the last eight years. Hmm. Highest moment the last eight years. Well, I think that the most important, the most compelling was, uh, was 9-11 itself. Please leave your message for 202710042294. Okay, hey, welcome to Truth Jihad Radio. This is the special live edition. It's so live that when we get an answering machine, you actually get to hear it. That's pretty live, isn't it? I'm Kevin Barrett doing this show every Friday evening from an old ice cream trailer parked somewhere in the woods of western Wisconsin, looking for people who tell it like it is. And we've got a couple of them tonight. In the second hour, A.K. Dudney is coming on. A.K. Dudney is famous for his Project Achilles experiments in which he went up in a Cessna to show that using 2001 technology, you could not make cell phone calls from altitude. And that apparently led the powers that be to change their story about the alleged 9-11 cell phone calls. Suddenly they were no longer cell phone calls. They were air phone calls. Although it's still a little bit unclear. That's a long story. And we probably won't get into that too much in detail in the second hour. The first hour, Randy Short is a pastor, human rights activist, and he is in fact a spiritual advisor to none other than Roger Stone who has been subpoenaed to testify to Congress about the January 6th so-called insurrection. Roger Stone came to Jesus not too long ago, and he's been hanging out with Randy apparently ever since. There are two books out co-authored by Randy Short and Roger Stone, uh, Spartacus, The Real Cory Booker Story, and Slavery's Mastery, Religious Oppression Revealed. Looks like great stuff. I always love to read Randy's work, and it's kind of hard to find it on the Internet. You have to look all over the place to keep up with him. So if you want to really get a full dose of Randy, check out those two books, Spartacus, The Real Cory Booker Story, and Slavery's Mastery. Well, I wonder if we managed to get him on yet. Uh, hello there, Randy. Are you there? Dr. Randy Short. Come in, Dr. Randy Short. Well, he's not coming in. Maybe we have an issue with the uh, the connection in the past we uh, tried him with Skype. He had, a, he had a Skype problem, apparently. There was a, a censorship episode where uh, I think it was Jeff Sessions or somebody was really mad at, at Randy Short for saying something scandalous about him. And uh, the result was that apparently Randy Short's Skype uh, stopped working. So since then, we've been bringing him up with the telephone, the old-fashioned telephone. Please leave your message for and all we're getting is this zero. answering machine. Oh, well. So how? Uh, maybe I'll have to send Dr. Randy Short a quick email, just reminding him. Uh, Please we're leave trying your message you. for 202. I hope I didn't get the wrong number here for him, but I thought this was the only one I have. Let's see. Uh, okay, Randy Short. I'm not going to tell you what his number is. I'm simply going to uh, ask him, are you at the number? And maybe he'll uh, reply with a correct phone number if he has a new phone. I wonder if I might have uh, missed a phone update from Dr. Randy Short. I don't know. 
anyway, I'm looking forward to talking to him because he uh, has all kinds of interesting stuff to say. Every time he's on the show, you never know precisely which subjects are going to come up. But tonight I have an idea about what some of them might be. He probably will have something to say about Roger Stone getting subpoenaed to Congress and the kind of insane press that Roger Stone and Alex Jones are getting as they get dragged before Congress to testify about supposedly leading a coup d'etat to overthrow the American Republic and install Donald Trump as dictator with Alex Jones and Roger Stone, not necessarily in that order, as their key advisors. What a what a vision, uh, <laughs> a new system. Please leave your message for Trumpy two. America, sort of like Saudi Arabia. We would have a caliph, that would be Trump. We'd have a, a couple of, of uh, wuzara, two two wazirs or advisors, and that would be uh, <laughs> that would be Roger Stone and Alex Jones. Frankly, I'm not sure that system would be any worse than what we have now. But hey, what do I know? So. Uh, that's interesting. Now I'm getting us uh, the error message that we're having a poor connection. I wonder if somebody doesn't want me to bring Dr. Randy Stone onto the show. Uh, that would be unfortunate if it were, if it were true. Uh, maybe Randy's got some really uh, hot inside information that isn't supposed to come out yet. <laughs> I doubt it, but you never know. Okay, let me let me quickly look through uh, the stuff I've been getting from Randy and just make sure he hasn't like sent some kind of uh oh i see a telephone going off here uh hello hey dr randy short we're trying to call you and it's we're getting the answering machine yeah uh because you have a a a scam number that's how my phone gets so i was looking at that and it's uh, all these zeros i have my phone set to block anybody calling a triple zero number or a number that, that's unmarked. I don't know who's calling. I just get so many stupid calls. Hmm. Well, uh, the tr- problem is this call is coming from Skype. So it's the only way we can bring you Please up. Please leave your message for 202. Deal with this specific format call. And then uh, we'll be in business. I apologize. You know, we all get harassed. They do mine through the phone. Uh, the phone comes up on the deck. I don't even bother with it. Just a moment. Okay. Well, I, I do everything I can to try to stop the spammers, too, short of taking a, an assault weapon down to their headquarters, which is probably way over in India someplace anyway, and most of them are just a bunch of poor schmucks trying to make a living like the rest of us. But uh, anyway. Uh, guys really get me hard this year. And so I hooked it off to see if they can get a call through again. Okay, we'll we'll keep trying. And then, uh, Randy, if 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 that doesn't work, are you do you still have a Skype account that you could use? Yeah, I think it's just you guys calling. Got you there. Uh, you're on the show, Randy. Welcome. How are you, oh, Doctor Randy fine. Short? Are you there? Yes, I'm here. 
Okay, now I can hear you. Your volume strikes me as a little low. Is there any way you can crank up your volume? Mm. Yeah, that's that's better. Okay. Hey. Oh. Well, that, that's good. I, I was worried for a second that maybe like Je- you know Jeff Sessions or some other uh, powerful corrupt individual was mad at you and was messing with your connectivity. I think that sort of thing has happened once or twice. Yes, it has, and. I think I shared with you that they messed with my Skype I, back at the height of the hysteria. Just about five years ago, Jeff Sessions was promoting this uh, this insane racist fascist concept of uh, of black identity extremists. It's interesting for a person from Klan territory to be talking about extremism of any sort and then attributing it to people who've been the perpetual victims of as extreme. But anyway, I just made reference that I said that Jeff Sessions was a white identity extremist in as much as that he hates blacks by day but has sexual intercourse of perverse kinds at night, uh, making reference to the fact that it's alleged and I have it on good account that Jeff Sessions had a black boyfriend and I made reference to it. And after that, you know, my Skype got hacked, everything got destroyed and I got a new Skype account that I never set up. I don't even have to pay to have Skype right now, which is really weird. You know, I have to put money on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Usually, usually if you want to make phone calls from your Skype, you have to put, put some money down, pay five cents a minute or something. Well, maybe I have to pay, but, you know, ever since then, I, it's been kind of weird. So, yeah, my whole Skype account got wiped out. I couldn't use it. I couldn't use my phone. I was in Canada in Montreal when this happened, and uh, it was really wild. And my name and everything, all the stuff. Went. So someone created a Skype account for me, and sometimes Skype doesn't work for certain people no matter what we do. So. I don't know. I, someone made a really nice account for me. Um, well, uh, that's, anyway, we, we got... They, can actually, <laughs> yeah, go they ahead. can actually do things like that. The craziest thing happened was uh, within the last few days, uh, someone I know, um, I edited a manuscript about a person criticizing um, the nation of Islam, its uh, current leader, and the email... It's completely disappeared from all my email accounts. And I sent, I emailed the person this thing back, and they, they never got it, and I couldn't find it. And luckily for me, I sent it to other parties blind. So they do your email, do your phone, all these odd things that happen. And in the words of an associate of mine, homeland insecurity it's always busy. Well, I, I would be kind of surprised if if DHS were protecting uh, Doctor Farrakhan, but uh, what do I know? Well, uh, um, all of these movements and things have been infiltrated, and there are people who have relationships and so forth. Um, the the anything that you have for black people. Uh, supposedly for black people, is heavily, heavily infiltrated. I'm not saying necessarily uh, Mr. Farrakhan is, 
but uh, that movement is heavily infiltrated all the movements. You know, the Black Panthers got infiltrated with their fourth member. Yeah. Well, that's how they took them so down. They didn't, yeah, but no, but they didn't even have uh, 10 people before they were infiltrated, before they did any marching. That is how heavily repressed black Americans are. And all the people crying and weeping about the deep state and all this stuff. This is old for us. This is basically this shows a democratization of uh, repression. Now it's everybody. Yeah. COINTELPRO actually got its start, really, didn't it? Going after black folks in the 60s. And I guess that was a a kind of a continuation of things that had happened even before that. But uh, they got pretty nasty in the 60s. Well, I mean, and this, I, I just beg to differ with you. COINTELPRO is a recreation of, of many things. You had black codes. You had the plantation police. You have lynch law. You have all of this that's always existed, always. And uh, you always had people spying. You always had this. So, uh and prior to Cointel Counter Pro, people need to re- recall that one of the very first political prisoners over freedom of speech, or now what I would call the modern era, would have been uh, the Church of God in Christ founder, Bishop Charles Harrison Mason. They set him up, possibly to be killed in Mississippi, but they put him in jail and gave him something like a $3,000 fine. That's a lot of money, if you understand what $3,000 in 1917 money was. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, that's a fortune. Compared to today, it's a fortune. Uh, the crime was that um, black minister called World War One a white man's war. and uh, they Which, which it was. It was a white man's war, and you have to recall that in that same period, the grandfather of Martin Luther King was being monitored by what became the FBI. So we always had it. This is old. We've had concentration camps in this country for black people going back to the uh, end of the Civil War. Most people are not aware that these contraband camps, uh, in particular, the most infamous is in Mississippi, uh, the Devil's Punch Bowl. Maybe anywhere from 25 to 100,000 blacks died in a concentration camp right here in the United States in the 1860s. So, um, so that, that was during the uh, Reconstruction not, not, Wars. That, uh, no, that's a, reconstruction wasn't even going on when the camp started. So I mean, just uh, they don't even know how many people got killed between 1863 and say 1870. It's, so black lives haven't mattered when they weren't picking cotton or being a bedwench or a concubine or growing rice, whatever. So this is very much a part of everything. There's nothing unusual. Mr. Fauci has been killing black people for decades and it just didn't matter. Now he's killing everyone. Message to the story uh, to a largely ignorant, uh, if not bigoted, white public. This is what you let happen to others eventually happens to you.
I mean, if they're spying on you, Dr. Short, I would imagine that your hardcore truth telling about these things uh, is plus the fact that you're tight with Roger Stone. You've co-authored these two books with Roger Stone, and I guess you're serving as a spiritual advisor to, to Roger Stone, who's being hauled before Congress. He got subpoenaed on Monday. That this this would kind of put you in the crosshairs of the limelight a little bit right now. I mean, I can see why they would be, you know, you would actually be on the radar screen right now. Mm, I think it predates Roger. Uh, I think I met you over in Iran. Yes, I remember and, that very uh, well. <laughs> with, with, within a week or so of me meeting you, I got detained at Reagan Airport. No, Dulles Airport. I got detained at Dulles. And they went through everything. And well, what happened, I did a program and I criticized the Obama administration, also uh, Fauci and them, for uh, letting this uh, Ebola out on uh, people in West Africa and other places. This is clearly a government hit on people, and it's wrong. And thou shalt not kill. Okay, that's what the Bible says. People don't, no country has the right to just kill people or experiment or make money off of them. And that struck a nerve. And after that, I got on the terrorist no fly list uh, from what, 2014 until I guess Trump became president. So I know, I know your audience, they just can't stand Trump, but he's kind of much nicer to me than. That uh, Luciferian half breed. Well, actually, Randy, my, my audience is not all that anti-Trump. Um, I mean, more so probably than you know Alex Jones's audience, but uh, they are highly skeptical of the anti-Trump forces as well. So, yeah, we're t- we're talking actually to the kind of smart, relatively, uh, mm-hmm. you know, says so the the people who are who are not buying in to any of these sorts of rabid. Uh, power centers, you know, the, and not be, people are not being brainwashed okay. into, into yapping along with the blue team or the red team. Right. Well, that's good. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, my joke was, you know, I I first discovered that I was a terrorist at uh, Thurgood Marshall Airport in Baltimore. And I needed all this help. And the whole airport got shut down because I showed up. And the whole airport? they needed to go through all this. Yep. Um, so the no, you're, on the no, you're on the no-fly list, like the no f- nobody can fly from the airport when you go there. List that, that's a pretty bad list. Well, yeah. And so they had to go through all of this stuff, and so I don't know. It was so weird. Um, I'm thinking the most interesting thing. Well, I'll tell you, the last time I I went to the airport and it's flying out of uh, uh, was it Thurgood Marshall Airport in Baltimore used to be called Baltimore Washington International. They keep changing the names. And um, there was a long line, and I wanted to hurry up and get through it. So I said to the lady at the counter, excuse me, miss, I need special help. I'm a, a registered dangerous international terrorist, and I need help. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you'd say that like Terrorist Anonymous. You know, instead of Alcoholics yeah, Anonymous, they've got yeah, Terrorist Anonymous these days. Excuse me, miss. I'm a dangerous registered international terrorist, and I need special assistance to get my flight. And you should have seen all the people in horror. Oh, he's black. And it's, oh, my God. Yeah, he must be a Muslim, right? 
And the, you, you and, get mistaken for uh, being a Muslim quite often, don't you? Well, I don't know why, but that's so. You know, I've been keeping my beard off, trying to like, um, you know, I've done everything except walk around with the studded thing, Jesus on it. Well, you don't. So, you don't look yeah. Wahhabi. You don't look Salafi. You don't look Wahhabi. You don't look Diabandi. None of that stuff. But you could sort of pass but, for but like. It, you know, something or other. You, you, you can't pass because uh, one third of the Muslims in the United States are black, and it's heavily associated with black men. So black men are, along with the criminalization, are Islamicized. Well, that's actually and, I've, uh, I've, to, I've to, found to, the black black people true. are are the most aware of the American Muslims. When I when I go and talk about nine eleven at mosques back when they used to let me into a few of them, the black people always got it. And this, this was actually true even outside of mosques, but especially in the mosques. And then the, uh, like the immigrant engineers and doctors and stuff were for the most part, pretty wary of, of even you know letting me come and talk. And uh, they, they really didn't want to hear about it for the most part. Well, the, the foreign Muslims that come here, are basically what I call crescent coons. Okay, <laughs> if it's like the, are we allowed like to say the, that on the air? Uh, well, uh, I don't know. So it sounds but like an ethnic people, epithet. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's basically a a subcultural epithet for uh, people who, um, you know, they're they're Muslim culturally maybe even socially, but when they, they believe in the American dream as well, more, more so than uh, a lot of other people, and they benefit from it. And some of these are the uh, racist Muslims that you don't like to acknowledge exist. They, uh, they have stores, they sell drugs and loose cigarettes and everything in black neighborhoods across the country, overpriced, dated, old, expired food. And, um, and I shouldn't. I shouldn't even talk about a certain person I know who fits that description, <laughs> or he used to. Uh, inshallah, he's he's mended his way since then. But we had, we had a big fight with some with a, an immigrant Muslim who was doing everything you just described, plus uh, actually selling crack pipes, and uh, that so, yeah, that became selling crack pipes and bad food for in kind. So having sex with low income welfare recipient or SSI recipient females. This is this is an epidemic across the country. Yemeni, Pakistani, Ethiopian, Nigeria, wherever these people come, this thing goes with them. In fact, uh, Floyd George got killed outside of a a Muslim, Palestinian Muslim owned establishment as did Eric Garner was choked to death outside of an Islamic-owned establishment. Mr. Sterling was killed down in Louisiana outside of an Islamic establishment. This when you, this goes hand in hand many times. Yeah, that's, and, that's kind, and, of, and, kind of sad, and, isn't uh, it? Yeah. Well, no, uh, a lot of people identify as white. Uh, and for some people, or if not white, uh, Islamic is an escape from uh, people's actual identity uh, if it happens to be black. That includes some African Muslims. And by the way, many African Muslims, to some degree, are segregated and not treated uh, 
as equals in many maths. This is something I've experienced in Tennessee. I was shocked, and I said to my Islamic friends that were black, if I invited you to a Christian church that was segregated or people were rude like that, you would come at me and you would rightfully recite the hypocrisy of me associating with such people, the hypocrisy of them not following that Christian tradition and so forth. You would be right. Do but, but, I have but, but the in same what, in what century was it? Oh. What do you mean segregated? Like they, they wouldn't let um, black people into, into the mosque? No, 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 no. You can have segregation within churches and have people set in separate areas. The leadership of the masjid oh. had to be either Egyptian or Pakistani or something like that. And some Pakistan is some of the most racist people I've ever met in my life. No, but and, that, that's just the uh, that's that, just the ethnic politics of of the American Muslim community, where you have all of these different oh, yeah, factions, yeah, yeah, and they're all kind of you know each one wants to be in charge. This is true in Europe as well, which is why. And yes, your Pakistani followers, I don't care if they don't like it. They have a major problem with mental retardation because if people only marry so closely within until mm. their children come out with the genetically ruined. I probably shouldn't mention uh, my radio guest from last week, who is of Pakistani origin and uh, who sounded like a, a Tourette's uh, patient. Uh, who needed to get back on her meds, but I, I probably shouldn't even mention her as a, in, in in the same breath as what you just said. So just forget I and, said and anything. I'm not, like and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking. This is a fact. Anyone can go look this up. I'm so mad at humanity that um, I'd rather first cousins hook up. And so I know many, many people when it comes to relationships. Sometimes in the masjid, please don't like us. Uh, please stay with yours or whatever. So uh, this is this is a phenomenon, and uh, I know you're very comfortable being Muslim, but I'll just say to you, I know of people who are either leaving Islam behind the racism. My God, I thought getting rid of it, uh, leaving Christianity, and they find the variation of this in Islam. It's is it is it in the Quran hate people based on color? No, but are people practicing? Well, you know, I, I haven't no I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen too much of that in my experience of the it's, Muslim community. What, what I've seen is is Dr. Shores. I, I've seen these ethnic kind of enclaves that form in each given mosque, and usually there's money behind building the mosque, and often that will come from the people who are the best off. In the, it might be like the Egyptians. Maybe there's some doctors and engineers who happen to be Egyptians. And so then they kind of expect mm-hmm. a slightly privileged place, a relative, not not to skin, has nothing to do with skin color, really, but they're privileged compared skin to the, color the, the white. The ones they would oppress the most would be the white-skinned Sufis. I actually experienced this kind of situation where the white-skinned Sufis were, ba- were nearly chased out of a mosque. Uh, by a uh, another um, a Middle Eastern ethnic faction. Uh, so so, but on the other hand, the uh, at most mo- American mosques, everybody from all of the different backgrounds gets together, gets along reasonably well most of the time. You know, eats together at the feasts, uh, celebrates together, prays together, and then if they go off to like say an an Eid after they've prayed in the big Eid prayer, and they go off and they hang out with their friends. The average play, you know, if you go someplace where a bunch of Muslims are hanging out after Eid, you'll usually find a mixed race, mixed ethnicity, a, a, a real mixture of people's backgrounds, way more so than you mm-hmm. would with Christianity. 
Well, it depends on which group, because if you get Seventh-day Adventist and certain other people, it depends. But uh, I'd be curious how these groups function uh, in the South. And I also would say to you that skin color helps people get the money that you're talking about. There's no separation. We have a caste system in the country. We've always had a caste system in the country. The black Americans with the most money oftentimes tend to have some connection, either marital, genetic, biological, herit I'm sorry, what's this thing? Heredity or whatever, linked to whiteness is where the money comes from. It's structured that it's put in the hands of how people look. You can't get around it. So if I say to you, honestly, that my grandfather's family were free at the time of the American Revolution, it means white folks freed them. And they've been freed ever since. It meant white folks made certain that their grandkids or mixed, whatever my mom's stuff, didn't get re-enslaved and their land didn't get taken. It must come from, not from God, but from the power and the, uh, the dominance of white society for people to have in America. So well, when you tell yeah. me about these people and this and that, if they got into this country, they got into this country where it prefers lighter-skinned people over darker-skinned people. So I'm certain it's 10 times easier for a light-skinned person that's Muslim to get into America than a dark-skinned Muslim. Especially well, Dr. Black Short, I, 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 I think it depends. I mean, it, it, the, uh, when the, Sufi, the, the oppressed white-skinned Sufi Muslims went off and had to start their own mosque in Madison, Wisconsin, because the Sufi vicar they would do at the mosque was not appreciated by the establishment uh, and the, the much richer establishment that was Middle Eastern was basically doctors and engineers. So the impoverished white Sufis went off and started their own little mosque, and it quickly became overflowing with uh, a lot of people from a lot of backgrounds, but the the biggest was African immigrants, mostly West African, um, and one or two maybe East African, and uh, so some Somalis, uh, but mostly West African. But there, there are a lot of uh, people from these African Muslim backgrounds coming to the United States as well. In fact, I was actually offered a postdoc at the University of California, Davis. And the description of that postdoc was I was supposed to study immigrant Muslim uh, communities, African immigrant Muslim communities. And one of the reasons I turned down that postdoc, which was supposedly the best offer that anybody from my African languages and literature program at University of Wisconsin-Madison had ever received in the whole history of the department. Somebody did tell me that. I, I ended up turning it down. Well, two reasons. One, was I was getting into the 9-11 truth movement and I didn't want to put my nose to the grindstone for seven years and keep my mouth shut. But two, uh, it kind of, what I got a sense of was that this Ford Foundation money that was going to pay me to go to California and study African immigrant Bye, Muslims was, snitch, I was going to be spying on them. Spy, snitch, spy, yeah, snitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just kind of got the sense that you know, everything I was going to be doing studying those people was really kind of almost going to be like spying on those people. And I don't know where I got that idea, but it just kind of, yeah, I, I smelled it in the air somewhere. And so the combination of those things led me to turn that down. But my point being that there are plenty of African immigrant Muslims in the United States. Go to the Twin Cities, look at the Somalis. My goodness, there's tons of them. So I, I don't think they're barring people based on skin color. Well, no, they would probably won't mind Somalis who don't identify with black Americans. And in fact, the Somalis have a caste system where their subclass in Somalia, the uh, Somali Bantus. 
So um, uh, when they do bring in people, yes, they literally bring in people who will not like black Americans on average. It's a real issue. And yeah, people I, can I, I don't talk know if that's, about this. I, so, I, I don't it, know if that's entirely true. Well, I'll, I'll share with you. It doesn't matter if you, you understand, but uh, Dr. Joseph Harris has a book on the diaspora, the dimensions, I think, of the diaspora. And this goes back almost 100 years. That, that Talk to some Africans that are honest with you, if they will be, because a lot are not. Uh, people are taught to hate black Americans or don't like us, don't trust us, stay away from us. This should be a prerequisite, in particular people from people from the Horn of Africa, Ethiopia, Somalia. If you come here, don't have anything to do with black Americans. This is still a part of what but, the but they vote. They vote for Keith Ellison, and, uh, and well, uh, well, well, Keith Ellison was brutal towards uh, Black Americans in terms of mass incarceration. He's no hero. He's no hero. You may like him because he's Muslim. I don't care what your religion is. And, and they vote for they vote for Ilhan Omar, who's who's Somali well, himself. Ilhan Omar uh, is she really? I mean, she's Somali. The Somalis are a Somali. They for Somalians. I'm not mad. But it ain't for black people. And uh, uh, I don't share this kumbaya thing. It's not real for us. Um, now and then you might get uh, the relationship between foreign people that come to the United States and black folks is predatory and replacement oriented. That has been uh, throughout the time, even when they were bringing people from Africa in chains. You separated them from the people who had been in America the longest as a means to get a group of people with a different set of principles or ideas at, before they let them loose in the plantation. This is how things have been done. Well, that's, that's, that's an interesting change. analysis. It, it, you know, this is so, 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 analysis. That's a, that's a fact of history. Well, how, how, does, how does Roger Stone react to that? Because, you know, Roger Stone hangs out with Alex Jones and, and, you know, there's the Donald Trump demographic that wants to build the wall and stuff. And, and, you know, everything you've been saying on this show, uh, it makes me wonder, you know, Alex Jones, I don't think he would get it. I, I mean, he might let you talk, but I don't know if he would really uh, identify with um, much of what you're saying. But Roger Stone, what does Roger Stone think about this stuff? I don't think we really talk about that as much. And and I wouldn't think he'd necessarily have to know it. It's not necessarily his universe. Okay, but... Um, they do know there's a difference between, which is a, a cool thing, this uh, what I call death to descendants of Africans and forcibly trafficked, descendants of Aboriginal and forcibly trafficked Africans in America or foundational black Americans, or this is another thing, that, that there's a movement in this country for people to assert that they have an identity in this country that are black, so they're not into this uh, Pan-African insanity that there's no connection to the United States and that we have to go to an underdeveloped country that has uh, brownouts and blackouts. And only when I'm in some place like Chad will I find my destiny. That's garbage. Um, so I think that the Trump people, America first, uh, have a sense, and I give Trump credit for it because he's completely the polar opposite of Biden, who is helping everybody but, but blacks from America, that Trump's people, as a rule, said there have been black people in America. Let's deal with the ones we already have, which is fine with me. 
I'm not mad at anybody anywhere else. I don't hate any other country or people, but wait a minute. We're crying for kids separated at the border, and they've been separating black people and families for 400 years. Uh, One in nine black children are in foster care in this country. They're disproportionately raped and abused and often not adopted, so forth. And we're crying about these few thousand at the border, and we have hundreds of thousands with, with worse situations within this country. So... I think that taking care of America's needs first makes a lot of sense. It may not have necessarily a focus on black folks, but if you fix America, but they actually keep their word on it, not saying that everybody in politics is honest or true, but in theory, if that theory was we're going to fix the infrastructure and do what's necessary to improve the United States for all persons who are truly naturalized American citizens, this necessarily represents a step forward for black people. Um, What Biden and them have done, like you're going to give reparations to illegals. And my great, great uncle, who was experimented on by the Nazis in Belgium, who had to have his leg amputated, and suffered, didn't get his GI Bill money because of the color of his skin, which was money that was set aside. Not money that I'm asking for out of order, but money that my great uncles were cheated out of because they were black. We can't have that, but they give these devils who cross the border with the coyote a half million dollars a piece. That's a declaration of war on black people. And, and the sh- shipping done. shipping and, all the jobs and, and, overseas was too, wasn't it? I mean, that, well, yeah, but think about where they really first started sending them, and that was sending the jobs from Chrysler and Dodge to where to South Africa. So the same time that they were doing that, so just when the black South Africans, what is it, Kosatu, and the other black trade unions nearly brought down the government of South Africa. They doubled down in sending jobs and, and means of repression and so forth to South Africa. So this it's specific attack on, on black folks and the timing in which they began to do the outsourcing follows the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 65. So uh, they moved the goalpost. And even now, systematically, these H, uh, these visas that bring in professionals you go to a, one of these so-called black universities and it's all foreigners with the jobs, black Americans who go to school, who go into debt to get the PhDs like I have, command a certain amount of pay to pay the, 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 the educational debt off. They don't want us and they'll take people from everywhere who, who freaking hate the black kids that they teach. That's an example. Uh, section three, whether you give housing and jobs to people in the country illegally, the sanctuary cities are a conspiracy against black people, which the Democrats and others, Ilhan Omar has no, she, she doesn't disagree with that. There's a thing called the Office for New Americans where they give every kind of help, assistance, educational, professional, uh, vocational, if you're in the United States illegally. But if I live in the United States and I'm born here, I'm a descendant of people who've been genocided and victimized for centuries, screw me. In fact, in the words of Joe Biden, you blacks need to get behind the, the, the Spanish speakers if you want to make it.
Well, so I, I, I could see why there would be what? there would be a discourse of replacement uh, in the black community, uh, just like in some ways mirror image it's, of one we're hearing in the white community as well. And uh, among well, Trump the, the white too. the white the white community the white community isn't wrong, but the white community is not understanding karma. If what you do to other people gets done to you, they think, well, I'm white and privileged. I don't have to do better. I don't have to try because I'm in the superior group. And what ends up happening is you get this ugly, vicious, toxic society where you get monsters like this Daryl Brooks, this beast that slaughtered those women and children and Waukesha. This is disgusting. It's as disgusting as what happened to Ahmaud Aubrey. It's more so that you create a society that's toxic, where there isn't justice, where there isn't fairness, where people have these hatreds, and then sometimes they act on it. And innocent people, those are innocent women that were slaughtered there. And I'm angry because no one, I haven't heard black people denouncing black criminals and and black folks who are violent against white people, that's not going to solve our problem. Do you, do you think the media Killing has been encouraging this a little bit? I mean, there's uh, the, the media, people. the media, isn't, the media isn't neutral and we should call it the white media is not neutral. It is not fair. It doesn't treat you properly. It's quick to stereotype or or call you an anti-Semite or whatever. It The media has always been a weapon going back to, like I said, um, Charles Harrison Mason did a radio broadcast. The media was weaponized during the time of the Creel Commission in the First World War. People that were saying things that didn't support that white supremacist devil by the name of Woodrow Wilson, who took the United States into World War I, people that disagreed with that got attacked. This has been going on all this time. And so um, the white media is the most evil thing in the country in terms of creating hatred and misunderstanding. And and but you know what? Uh, if they put an ugly black face up there like Joy Reid. Yes, I said it. I went to heart with her. and She is ugly. Uh, if you put uh, an ignorant face uh, like one of these people on Fox, like this Ingraham, who's basically Hitler as a blonde trans constantly spewing things and inflaming hatred instead of doing a little bit of understanding. A lot of what the American media does is illegal in other countries. What we have is a Anglo-Saxon version of the Bahutu hate radio and television that exists in Rwanda prior to the genocide, where all you do is you make people hate. You won't explain or help people to think. I, the rare, 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 where, were they targeting, though? Uh, you know, in Rwanda, it was pretty clear you know, which tribes were targeted by whom and, and so on. But here... Well, it's it's not that clear. Obviously, the anti-vaxxers are the latest uh, candidates for the gas chambers, as my guest last week uh, kept telling me. Uh, but then there's also the, these uh, racial hatreds going on. On the other hand, it's it's interesting to me that I, I actually thought that both the uh, Rittenhouse and Arbery jur- juries made what looked to me to be reasonable and just decisions. Um, well, despite I, love, all of the I like both. I- I like I like the uh, Rittenhouse jury. I don't like the judge in either case. Uh, but uh, my saying was, Kyle made me smile. He shot a pedophile. Okay, that guy, uh, Rosenbaum, they've never said who his victims were. I wonder if they were all little black or brown kids. That's why they didn't really give him the full weight 
of the sentencing. And he's out to, after sodomizing almost a dozen children and folks are crying over him. The victims had to be black, I would assume. That's how insensitive. But one of the things that the media does do that's towards everyone is desensitize people and trivialize and diminish the value of human life, whether it's celebrating abortion or postnatal abortions or whether it's supporting this gross uh, human experimentation, and by the way, anti-vax uh, on a on a certain level due to Tuskegee, a lot of people presume to be anti-vax based on what they look like, uh, which is why our president. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting, it, isn't it? You know, they they pretend that the anti-vaxxers are all a bunch of white supremacists, but demographically, that's just not true. Uh, African Americans are the leading um, anti-vax group, and, and in New York, this new apartheid in New York is disproportionately targeting black people. Yeah, so it's, but uh, there's always been, there's an issue of numbers. Um, Benjamin Franklin, a closet racist, if not an overt one, made a case in the 1750s for not bringing black people to America. This is why increase the sons of, of Africa, the sons of Ham, when there's a glorious opportunity to increase the numbers of red and white. As 1750s, we have too many blacks in America. Uh, so hatred and uh, getting rid of and reducing numbers of people who are not white in America exists before the republic existed. So, so your and, historical uh, yeah. investigations, uh, yeah, you know, you've, you know uh, quite a lot about history at, at many different periods. And your book, Slavery's Mastery, uh, in the subtitle is The Impact of Religious Slavery Revealed. Uh, what what exactly do you mean by religious slavery? Um, well, most of what America has, frankly, outside of its great awakenings, is a weaponized uh, Anglo-Saxon racist false Christianity. Where am I going? In 1727 and even prior, but... Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Gottman Morgan, who was a British missionary, whose mission was to find a way to use Christianity, along with other people, to make blacks perpetual, obedient slaves to whites, using the Bible as the basis of the rationalization of why you're inferior why you should just do what you're told. We have the right to rape you, kill you, make you work for us. It's God's will. And ultimately, this uh, the epical moment in this was uh, in 1727 when Godwin Morgan was the uh, Anglican bishop from London, created basically a, a religious doctrine that taught that uh, Conversion to Christianity entitled blacks to none of the temporal decent treatments that are taught in the Bible. So in other words, uh, love neighbor self and all this other workman worthy of his heart. None of that applies to you because you're black. So we have an apartheid Christianity at the foundation. Once you understand, due to the conflict between the uh, European uh, Crusader Christians and the Arab uh, and the Muslims uh, that at one point it used to be under custom that you shouldn't, Christians shouldn't own each other as a type of solidarity against Muslims. 
So the problem came is what you do with these people that you're either forcibly converting, uh, I'm not forcibly converting, what you do with the Aboriginal people, okay? And a lot of them were, were what you would call black. Most people listening don't realize that Negro isn't just African. My great-grandmother's Indian and, and lots of people in this country. I always point up Johnny Mathis, who's a, a, a Comanche. Look at him. That what you call black is really a mixture of European, uh, uh, Amerindian, and African. That's who I am. So this whole just exclusively black, these stupid pan-Africanists make it out that we're only African. I'm, I love Africa, been all over Africa, but it's not true. And I may be mostly African, but not all. We're the only people who can only have one of our identities. Everybody else gets to hyphenate. <laughs> well, we, we've talked about your, your many uh, ancestors, uh, Dr. Short. You've, you've got a lot of interesting ancestors from all different sorts of groups. Um, and, uh, that, of course, that, that it seems that people do have to sort of pick one to create a public persona around, like, you know, Obama chose well, not, to not, be not, not Kamala Harris. Not, yeah. not Kamala not, Harris. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> Kamala Harris, that whore, was black until uh, Biden was getting the colonoscopy. And for 86 minutes, she became Asian again. <laughs> then once they took the stuff out of his rectum, she became black again. Oh, no, man. that's a lie. Black people, whatever white people say we are, and the situation that advantages white people, not who we are. Uh, being mulatto uh, might get you some of your, your white parent stuff. So you're black because we're not going to give you anything. But if we want to use you, if you're a little lighter than the next person, you're part white. Go fight that dark person over there. This is the game that's played. Um, by the way, I didn't finish the thing I was saying about this thing for Godwin Morgan. So the whole purpose of this thing that your Christian conversion entitles you to nothing in this life. But when you go to heaven, there'll be a segregated place for you darkies to sing together. And we'll be listening like we do down here. This is the basis of allowing blacks to even be Christians in this. And in, in, in the British uh, Caribbean and British North America was that we don't mind you being believers, provided you don't really believe, that you don't really benefit from what's in the scripture. So America's based on a fake heretical, apostate, liar, racist, Nazi Christianity. And sometimes you get people who are able to accommodate it, whether it's Martin Luther King or someone like this, to try to push people to actually do what the scriptures say. But uh, in fact, the black church is the most corrupt and deviant organization that black people have in the country. As I speak to you, the oldest black church in the country, it's not out there yet, but it's alleged that all the retirement money, maybe $120, $150 million has all been stolen from all the AME pastors and they don't know who take it. No one knows who took this money. So that even, in fact, the allowance of a black church by white society is to create a institution that will not work to free, liberate, and educate and emancipate black people. You do get an aberrant black minister now and then, a Nat Turner or a Denmark Vise. You'll get someone that really wants to do what the book says. They don't last that long. Instead, you get beasts like uh, 
uh, Reverend Sharpton and Jesse Jackass. You get these fraud, liar, crook, compromise agent people who are in it for their own pockets. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, at the heart of this Christian, it's it's all the, one of the things my book talks about is the racism, uh, providential design which I mentioned in the book, which is a replacement thing that all the free blacks needed to be replaced with slave blacks. Everybody black needed to be sent back to Africa because Francis Scott Key and others believed that if you had too many free black people, there'd be a revolution in this country and black folks would oppress whites. So the answer is only black people enslaved, which is God's will, should be here and all the free ones should be sent back to Africa. Well, you know, you know that, that demographic fear is still ar- is around today, right? Where whites are going to be the minority well, by 2050. Well, yeah, the point is, is that they probably already are the minority based on the racial grouping that people made. If you have any African ancestry, you're not white. As a means to have a perpetual slave caste meant any mixing with anything that's not pure white makes you 100% black. I mean, this is white people. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty weird. Yeah, and, and well, that's no, no, totally no. different it's, from most other places. Like in the Islamic world, it's it's not that way. In the Islamic world, people are not just like white or black, um, but there still could be some prejudice uh, around skin tone, but it's not like there are only two categories. Well, no, there's only two categories. They worked very hard to have, but now that's not working. But the problem is, Everybody has all of this inter marriage and so forth going on to the point where you take an Elvis Presley, whose mother's a mulatto, and I don't care if your audience doesn't like it. And there are other people like Carol Channing, another mulatto. We see them all the time. Uh, even sometimes they'll be Republican conservatives like that idiot from uh, Iowa. No, he was in Georgia. I can't remember his name. He was a congressman that got voted out maybe in the 90s. He was always bothering black people. And we looked at him and said, God, and there's so many people that look just like him. Uh, even Bill Clinton's mother is suspect. My mother had a buddy named Juanita that looked just like Bill, Bill Clinton's mom. So uh, the places like Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Louisiana, other places, one in six whites aren't white according to this crazy system that white people made. This is the burning house that white people made, meaning if you took one in six whites out of many places in the country, you've got a huge number of people who really aren't what they say they are. When I get DNA reports and I get all these records of white relatives of mine who are 20% black, 30% black, 40%, my God, this is, I don't know if you heard the, the white supremacist organizations are having real problems, with their membership, because their people really ganked up about being pure white. And then they go in and find out. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they, they send black. off for a 23 and me DNA test. And then they, uh, right. they, they learn. Can I still, more interesting can I still be in your, can I still be in your group and hate black people, but I'm about 20%. I, I just uh, knew I was white. I mean, right. No, no, you aren't not. No, no, you aren't a hundred percent white. Nobody's a hundred percent anything. But mm-hmm. the, so if you well, just maybe the USA is going to have to figure that out eventually and, and give up this binary two category system. Well, I think the binary two person system facilitates, uh, 
You know, we're, we're going to have to finish the conversation on another show because we just got the bumper music intruding. Well, thank you, Dr. Randy Short, a spiritual advisor to Roger Stone, who will be testifying before Congress. Roger Stone is apparently newly religious, and so that should be an interesting story. Maybe someday uh, you and Roger could come on here and, and, and uh, talk about that. I'm curious about how that guy got religion. Anyway, thank you so much, Randy Short. It's great talking with you. Love it. Take care. Well, he would, he would need it. He would need it. <laughs> Okay, well, God God bless you and Roger Stone and all of our listeners back next hour with Dr. A.K. Dudney, the Muslim of Sufi tendencies and famous professor of science math and all sorts of other things. Uh, stick around for that.